0: G'day and welcome to My Favourite Album. I'm journalist and filmmaker Jeremy Dillon and each episode I'll be talking to a different guest about an album they love and how it's influenced and inspired them.
1: Make set place on fire For some days I can feel as far At the one who they all desire I'm hiding out till the town goes dark
0: My guest today followed the classic well-worn path to Americana stardom, starting 150 bands, playing guitar with the New York Dolls, sticking sequins onto his own suits and microdosing for songwriting inspiration, cut to two acclaimed records, In the Blazers and Silver Tears, brimming over with creative energy, drawing as much from subversive rock and roll as any Ernest Roots record. He says, I would love to be the Miley Cyrus of folk singers. Aaron Lee Tasgian, welcome to My Favourite Album
1: well thank you very much for having me
0: Aaron tell me what is your favorite album my favorite album is Revolver by the Beatles
1: let me tell you how it will be there's one for-
0: You're a little on the young side to have picked this record up when it first came out 51 years ago in 1966. So what was your entree into the Beatles and this record? My entree into the Beatles was my mother.
1: She used to play Beatles records to and from school on the way home. They were her favorite band and uh, I guess kind of by proxy became my favorite band. And I got the, you know, the, the blue album and the red album and learned at least probably three quarters of what I know about playing the guitar from just sitting down in front of my boombox with that record on and trying to find the notes in every song and trying to find the chords that they were playing.
0: So were you already playing when you were starting to listen to the Beatles or did that sort of come around... As you were listening to them
1: I started playing guitar when I was 11 Before that I was kind of listening to I guess more popular music of the You know of the moment So let's see Michael Jackson was a big one for me The Dangerous album I really liked In particular. And then just, you know, weird stuff that kids listen to, Weird Al Yankovic and stuff like that. And But then when I started playing guitar, you know, my focus in terms of what I was interested in listening to changed a little bit. And obviously, the one thing that I found particularly engaging about the Beatles was the arc of the musicality on their records. All the different places that they would take their sound throughout the course of an album. Uh-huh. Be. Picks up the rice in the church where a wedding is being lives in a dream. And initially, I think it was again more of the kind of the compilations that I got into. The first album album of the Beatles that I was into was probably Help. But I think the older I got, again, you know, the more sophisticated my tastes were becoming. So those amazing albums from that period of right before they stopped touring and then after they stopped touring and, and spent a lot more time focusing on, you know, what they could do in the studio and where they could take the production of, of the songs and stuff like that became quite fascinating to me.
0: What's interesting to talk about Revolver coming at it from a guitar point of view because this kind of was the last Beatles record that is really dominated and led by the guitar because straight after this you got Pepper which is of course much more diverse in its sounds and everything but this is still like a guitar rock record. Yes. So tell me about getting into this album in particular and you know since we're talking about you're developing as a guitar player like what it was like trying to unpack all the parts on this record and learn all these songs
1: well it started with i think and your bird can sing was the first one that really knocked me out guitar playing wise The solo on that song, you know, is incredible. And the sound of it, I mean, it's like, you know, it predates television, obviously, and all of those kind of things. But like, you really hear the influence that, you know, that style of guitar playing went on to have in the lexicon of, of guitar music. And I can't think of any record that had a, an impact on guitar culture in that way, where the guitar playing was so kind of wild and free for the time. So I suppose it started there. And then that record is such an interesting one, because it does go through, you know, so many different vibes. But you can hear a little bit of, to me, at least, I I feel like I hear a little bit of Indian influence in George's, you know, music and everything creeping into the guitar playing that he's doing on that record. And then, of course, to me, the the John Lennon guitar rock masterpiece "Tomorrow Never Knows" is a truly incredible piece of work, and the the reverse guitar and the you know and the tape loops and all of that kind of stuff um, really again took the lexicon of guitar in, in, in pop music and, you know, put it in an entirely different place, you know, than it had been before. And I think that's one of the things that's so special about that album and makes it such a palpable listen, if you will, is it's like once you get some context for all this stuff, it dawns on you like, wow, this, this is probably happening for like the first time ever, <laughs> which is a pretty, you know, magical thing to have captured on an album, especially one that so many people know.
0: can you put yourself in the position of someone who would have been hearing this record fresh in 1966, like when this record didn't exist? Because there was a period of time when this album didn't exist and no one had made this or any of the subsequent Beatles records and then suddenly someone listened to it for the first time. Can you imagine what that would have been like?
1: I mean, I love thinking about that kind of stuff. Certainly, there's a lot more singers, bands, songwriters, albums, whatever appearing before us, you know, on an on an ongoing basis. It's almost like there's so much of it now, it's hard to to kind of get through all of it, to find the things that are really special and the things that really turn you on. You have to be a seeker. Uh, these days but you know what was interesting in that time you know it's like the just the amount of records that were coming out every week it was so so much less music you know and and to get that opportunity to put records out in that way you know was a much a much more not difficult thing to achieve but it it required you know it required you to have certain you know attributes uh, artistically that aren't necessarily a part of the equation in this day and age. I imagine if someone was hearing that record for the first time in that period of time that they would have been, you know, totally blown away. Uh, And that's not necessarily to say, you know, for the better. I mean, I often wonder if people who were fans of the mop tops doing twist and shout might've been somewhat turned off by the idea of, Hey man, we're just going to have an entire uh, song that's, that's mainly sitar and, you know, and chanting and stuff. And, you know, I mean, that's always an interesting thing to consider. I mean, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember my friend BP Fallon telling me about, you know, David Bowie playing raw power for him for the first time. And he said, you know, when the album finished, he said, well, what do you think BB and BB said, well, this is awful. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's terrible. Um so you know, uh oftentimes in the moment a masterful stroke can't always be fully appreciated until it's been given the time to be fully considered and and you have to let some time pass sometimes in order for the true context of the of the piece to be revealed.
0: I mean, I guess one of the interesting things is that the amount of time that could pass for a record back then was so much less than now, because band like The Beatles were putting a record out every, you know, seven, eight, nine months, which is kind of crazy to think about these days when an album cycle is typically two to three years.
1: Very true. And I think one of the things that's interesting about that is it's easier to sort of make art that's kind of more in the moment that's not necessarily overthought. I mean, even though I I believe they they took three months to record Revolver. But even so, I think they, you know, knowing they were going to have to have another one ready in six or seven months or whatever, it's like you don't, there's a tendency to to just go and do things that are in the moment. And I think when you have that, you know, not necessarily that it's more disposable to you, but just your, you know, the whole idea of I'm creating this thing that's going to live, you know, with this long and lustrous uh, lifespan, it becomes less relevant. And the focus shifts to let me do something that I'm finding interesting right now. I think when artists are allowed to explore the parts of of what they're doing that maybe go beyond the bit even where art and commerce intersect and and it is a more pure evocation of what they're uh, trying to express it can become a very a very interesting and very um enlightening set of tunes if you will
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to quote your own lyrics back to you now because I feel like there's something that's relevant to what we're talking about, which is success ain't about being better than everybody else. Success is about being better than yourself. And at least to me that feels like the main driving force for the Beatles was each record was breaking new ground and as much of that was about we've got to top what we did six months earlier on in this case on rubber Soul, as much as it was about competing with anyone else who was out there.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what ultimately allowed the Beatles to set a standard. They didn't really see themselves, I think, as the leaders of anything. I remember an interview, I don't know which album it was for but someone interviewing Paul McCartney on the train you know and 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 the guy said you know i mean so how you know what do you think of the effect that your band is having on art and culture and stuff like that and Paul McCartney laughs and he says culture you know <laughs> what culture you know this is this is a laugh you know and and i think that sort of the ability to kind of shrug off the weight of The impact that they were having allowed them to keep the artistic vision of what they were doing very pure. And exactly what you just said, the idea of every time we put out another album, you know, we want to try to top what we've done before, you know, I think that should always be the goal for a recording artist. The issue that we face today a bit is that sometimes... When a record works, when it really sells, the artist feels that they have found a key to the kingdom of, you know, acceptance, and therefore they must, you know, continue to sort of uh, stroll down this particular path, when in reality, it may be, you know, the fact that they did something different and, uh, than what they'd done previously, and that might have been really at the driving force of what was turning people on. So, I always believe in trying to, you know, make your ambitions artistically about your own work looking inward as much as you're looking outward and and trying to see what it is, you know, that turns you on because if you like it, then somebody else can like it.
0: One of the things I think are in common between you and the Beatles is that one of the things that made them better and more interesting than, you know, the 30 other bands they were competing against in Liverpool is their diversity of influences. Like, they didn't just listen to Chuck Berry, like, they listened to Motown and and girl groups and, like, musicals, and, and then by the time you get to this record, there's the Indian stuff coming in, and, you know, there's all these different things swirling around, So, drawing this over to you, you've got a much more diverse set of influences than most artists that you would put in the Americana space. You don't just listen to the band and John Prine and Gillian Welch and Dave Rawlings, as evidenced by your choice of favourite album today. So, can you talk about that a bit, and particularly how the Beatles have influenced your music?
1: Absolutely. I would say, for me... And this is I'm stealing I'm stealing a, a quote from my friend Annalie, who's a DJ on Lightning One Hundred, but that question of what kind of music do you like, you know? I like good music. And it can really be anything, honestly. I just like something that is going to deliver an idea or a sound or a rhythm or something that takes me out of my natural element because when i hear something that i feel like i haven't heard or maybe i just haven't heard it done that way or something like that it always intrigues me and reminds me that music is really you know a place to discover things you know listening to the beatles obviously there's an awful lot there to discover for starters but in terms of of its influence on me I think it just showed me that you can be fearless about the kind of music that you do and the way that you sing it and the way that you present it and you know and how you put all that together on an album there really are no rules because the Beatles were the most commercial band of their time it's very interesting that they were also one of the most artistically ambitious <laughs> And that's a a rare juxtaposition, if you will, that you don't often find, particularly in pop music of our time.
0: And I also think the way that they kind of, they cut across almost every major genre of their time, and you could put a song of theirs on the radio next to almost anything and it wouldn't seem out of place. And I think there's some of your stuff that has that kind of... Cross genre blend is like a track like Little Movies certainly would you know you could hear it on Lightning One Hundred after a Jason Isbell song, or you could hear it on an KCRW after an Electric Light Orchestra song, and it would sound equally at home in either environment.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, I that idea, I think, is one that has become important to me over time. And really, the test, I guess, uh, in my mind for whether or not a song is really working. You know, if it comes up, because I guess so much of our culture now is less album-oriented and more playlist-oriented, or, you know, like you were saying on the radio. And so the context of a song in that way becomes more important. And the idea of having a song that's tried and true enough to stand up in any conditions, uh, you know, is, becomes a, a good test of, of the song's life force. <laughs> I was alone, I took a ride, I didn't know what I would find there Another road where maybe I could see another kind of tell you I need you every single day of my life.
0: When you put revolver on these days, what's it like to listen to that record now as opposed to when you were a kid like learning to play guitar and discovering the Beatles for the first time?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I think I hear... I think I hear it differently than I used to, only because, you know, listening to it as a child, I'd never really... I'd never been in a recording studio before, really. I'd tried my hand at writing a few songs, but, you know, what do you have to say at 12? (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, So uh you know i hear i hear it a little differently than i used to but what what rings true to me is the very heart of what makes me excited to get up every day and try to be creative which is an ultimate respect for the music that's being played and a fearlessness about going after the elusive pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Whether you catch it or not, every time is irrelevant. If you can remain in the spirit of all of that, I think you are staying true to the big song in the sky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Aaron, thanks for talking to me today about your favorite album.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Hey.
0: That's it for another episode of My Favourite Album. Thanks for listening. I've been Jeremy Dillon. You can follow me at Mr. Jeremy Dillon. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash my favourite album. Subscribe on iTunes. And if you dig the show, please leave a review. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.